Hey guys, welcome to the Drama Club. On this week's episode, we talk about Frances Frijole Cobain <laughs> and her prenup settlement with her shady ass ex husband. Her scrub ass ex husband. Her scrub ass ex husband. And then I tell you all about Kobe Bryant's rape case from 2003 and May discusses uh, love. Square. Love rhombus. Love rhombus with (laughs) Eddie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds, Elizabeth Taylor, and Mike Todd. Toddington. And then we finish up with the quickie all about Real Housewives of Atlanta, Candy Burress's unfortunate loss of her fiance. But then we pick it up because that's kind of fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) And talk about how I saw Bobby Cannavale last week looking not like a snack. Stay tuned. What up, fam? What up, fam? Good, Feels good, right? Good, right? <laughs> yeah, I know it, dude. I know it, dude. And without further ado, we broadcasting live. That was so hard I had to say that was hard multiple times. (laughs) That was hard. That was very hard. (laughs) What's up, guys? Dude, do you wanna do you wanna tell them what we did today? We were on Felipe Esparza's podcast today. And we were on What's What's Up Fall? (laughs) What's up fall? (laughs) (laughs) Only we were Foulettes TM. We came up with that. Yeah, (laughs) Foulettes. We're ready to wear the V-neck shirts that say Foulettes on them. Yeah, we're Felipe's Foulettes. And we hope that we get royalties off of that shit. That was super fun and unexpected. Well, unexpected is the wrong word because we've been expecting it for like (laughs) (laughs) years and years for several weeks. But like it was I think it was fun. They were so nice. They were super nice. I really like Lisa. Lisa is fucking awesome. And my husband, as soon as we were done recording, texted me and said, I know you would be friends with that girl, Lisa. That's what I'm (laughs) saying, dude. Lisa, at least are you trying to be in the drama club? She was funny because as soon as Felipe brought up his ex-girlfriend, she was like, fuck that bitch. Yeah. And she was Guatemalan too. So I was like, yeah, let's go get that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to roll up. Bang, bang. Porsche gang. Bang, bang. Drama club gang. Dude, they were all so nice. Rodrigo, Felipe, Lisa, everybody. Yeah, it was super cool. I was, I'm very appreciative. <laughs> well, we brought them vegan cupcakes. So we did. They sh- they should be nice to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out our social media once more at Drama Club Pod, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, the underscore drama underscore club uh, underscore pod. There's no pod. Oh, there's not. No, it's just the Drama Club. The Drama Club. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Gmail Drama Club Pod at Gmail dot com. Yep. And what else? Our phone number that we don't know by heart. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Um, I'm just going to move my lips like this and then I'm going to add it in later. Yeah, (laughs) sounds good. I forgot we're recording this. Oh, my God. I took my Spanx off. What was I thinking? How do I look? Uh, It's over. Well, they already saw us on Felipe's podcast. Yeah, but I was upright. Yeah. yeah, Uh yeah. And you had the Spanx on I did. Fuck. Oh, let's introduce ourselves. What's up, everybody? I'm Stephanie. And I'm May. And we're the Drama Club. Hey. So the hot topic for this week, which we touched on a little bit during Felipe's show, was all about Francis Bean Cobain is getting divorce alert. A schmishmorse. Divorced. For those of you who don't know, but once again, if you don't know, what are you doing listening to us? If you don't know, now now you you know. know. Meghan Markle. (laughs) (laughs) Francis Bean Cobain is... The late Kurt Cobain's only child mm-hmm. and the heir with Courtney to his Love. estate. With Courtney Love, of course. And the heir to his estate. So yeah. take it away, man. So as the heir to his estate, she's worth upwards of f- over $400 million, allegedly. That's pretty insane. But when you That's think about crazy. all the Nirvana merchandise, you're yeah. right. Of course, yeah. they make a shit ton of money worldwide. And also, they were still of the era where musicians were making money off of albums. Regardless, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So Francis Bean Cobain is entitled to the profits of the estate as that's fine that we, we totally get that. Right. But she married some scrub. Oh, he's a scrub? Yeah, he's a scrub. Nice. And is now divorcing said scrub. He believes that he's entitled to Kurt Cobain's guitar from the Unplugged episode of MTV Unplugged. Which is one of the best episodes there is. 
it's definitely one of the most famous episodes. Yeah, it's like that one, Mariah, Eric Clapton, John. No, no, no. Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Yeah. LL Cool J yeah. was like one of the first times hip hop was shown with a live band. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, his guitar that he played during that episode is worth upwards of millions upon millions of dollars. So, you know, the story behind the Nirvana episode of MTV Unplugged is also that at the time it was a brand new show on MTV. So Nirvana showed up with all of their regular gear. Oh, really? Yeah. Like all of their electric guitars and electric yeah. bass and all their regular gear. And then the producers were like, no, no, no. The show's called Unplugged. Like we need you to play Unplugged. So like they all went out and bought acoustic <laughs> shit. That's funny. Like right before the show started and just fucking killed it. Isn't that incredible? Like how the things that aren't planned. Yeah. Are... Turn out amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Because they probably did it extra good. Yeah. If they would have practiced, it would have been kind of like whatever. We <laughs> saw. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's crazy. So he's about to come up with millions of dollars. Or a badass guitar. Keep the guitar, bro. Keep the guitar. It's only going to go up in value. Yeah. That could be for your grandchildren's legacy. This is this. Grandchildren, this belonged to your ex step <laughs> grandmother. <laughs> yeah. Curtington Cobaineth. Love the third. <laughs> Here's to the ladies, the fair and the weak. All right. So today, we're going to do a twofer finally. We're going to do a twofer. It's a special twofer. Very special. So. Way back when we first started this little podcast, we didn't know how to number every episode. Rather, I didn't know how to number every episode because we had filmed an episode which ultimately got cut because the sound was off. And that was all about Kobe Bryant and and Elizabeth Taylor, Debbie Reynolds, Eddie Fisher and Mike Todd. I love love quadruple love (laughs) love square. So if the sound is off on this, then we're fucked. It's never airing. It's. So we're going to re-record that episode now. And uh, yeah. All right. All right. I'm going to talk all about Kobe Bryant. I haven't read this since I first read it. Dude, episode one. <laughs> episode one of 13. This is like uh, the first, like when George Lucas did episode one of Star Wars. Mm, is there's there's going to be a Jar Jar Binks in this. <laughs> okay. So first, I wanted to say that the woman who accused Kobe Bryant had to release her name after she filed a civil lawsuit against him. But typically, sexual assault victims' identities are kept private. So for the purposes of this conversation, I'm going to refer to her as the accuser, as most publications did before she went ahead and filed the civil claim. Okay, that's understandable. Just to give some background of the time period, this happened in 2003. May had just lost her virginity. Just kidding. Picture it. 2003. (laughs) Sicily. (laughs) Oversized waist belts are all the craze. The one shoulder dress is about to hit Macy's. And my hymen just broke. (laughs) Okay. So at this time, the Lakers had just finished the 1999 through 2002 three-peat, which is when they won three consecutive championships under the coaching of Phil Jackson in 2000, 2001, and 2002. Mm -hmm. So this was a particularly high time for Mr. Kobe Bryant and probably even the peak of his career. Yeah, well... Now he's won a fucking Oscar. Right, I feel like... That would be the peak of my career if I was Kobe Bryant. But for him, maybe it was this time. He was for sure like a hot shot during that time. Yeah. But I, I don't think people would have called him a legend yet. I think like... Towards the end of his career, he was... It might have cemented his legendary status, though. Oh, yeah, you're right. Good point. Good point. Okay. So in July 2003, a then 19-year-old hotel employee filed a sexual assault complaint against Mr. Kobe Bryant, who was 24 years old at the time. Kobe stayed at the Lodge and Spa at Cordillero in Colorado on June 30th as he scheduled for surgery on July 2nd. Okay. I feel like since this was in Colorado, I didn't need to overemphasize Cordillero. <laughs> it could have just been Cordillero. It's Corduroy. Corderello. Corduroy. The woman accused Kobe of raping her in his hotel on July 1st, 2003. Okay. Kobe was confronted by sheriff investigators on July 2nd in his 
first interview with investigators, he denied having sex with the accuser. They confronted him with the physical evidence, uh, his semen. Yeah. And he then admitted to the sex, but remained that it was consensual. See, okay, the physical evidence thing, this is what we talked about, where I, I, I'm almost 100% positive that in the police report, it says when the police confronted him and asked him for the clothes that he was wearing, he balled up a semen-stained t-shirt and threw it at the detectives. He had his own semen-stained t-shirt? Yeah. Send that shit out for dry cleaning, Kobe. <laughs> That's uh, Tell that to Monica Lewinsky. You nasty. You nasty, Kobe. Uh, Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> so Kobe had an arrest warrant issued on July 4th, the next day. Independence Day. And he flew. <laughs> Will Smith was there. It was a whole fucking <laughs> thing, a, guys. There was an alien. A fucking alien showed up. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Bay. Damn. <laughs> so then Kobe flew to Colorado to surrender himself to per- police. Okay. He was let out on bail and the news became public on July 6th. Mm-hmm. On July 18th, he was formally charged with sexual assault, which had a sentence ranging from probation to life in prison. Oh, fuck, dude. That's pretty wild. On July 18th, 2003, Kobe held a now infamous press conference in which ben- Vanessa Bryant, his wife, sat by his side and held his hand. As he adamantly denied the accusations. Go ahead, man. Dude, Steph's favorite, a press conference. Vanessa Bryant and a press conference. <laughs> Two of my favorite things. <laughs> These are a few of my favorite things. Vanessa Bryant's so basic. <laughs> An apology ring. I love her. Oh, let's get to that. So during the press conference, he tearfully said he was innocent and that he was embarrassed, ashamed, and disgusted with himself for committing adultery. He apologized to Vanessa for having to put her through it and reiterated his love for her. His team maintained his innocence and advised that they would try the case to a jury in Colorado. Okay. I feel bad for Vanessa because she didn't have to be dragged through that press conference. Also, she probably liked it. I don't think that she liked it, but I think that she was like, all right. I I think she felt like it was her duty. Remember when uh, we talked about uh, Anthony Weiner's wife, Huma? Huma Abedin. I was like, what's her first name? Yeah. Yeah, and how she wouldn't do it with him? Yeah. Why do these men got to drag their wives into this shit? Right. Like, somehow you have to publicly apologize. It's like throwing that shit all over Facebook. Just right. do it in the fucking privacy of your own home. Yeah. But see, they're trying to rehab. They're trying to rehabilitate an Their image. public image. Yeah. And yeah. I think that in order to do that, you have to have your wife by your side. Yeah. But, and okay. And I guess I think, it says something if your wife's not by your side. Right. Yeah. And the thing with Huma is that she was her own person. Like she's she didn't need her man to define her. Right. She didn't need that. So she was like, no, I'm not. I mean, she ended up doing it, yeah. which is, you know, whatever. But she was like, I don't want to do that. And these are the reasons why I feel like Vanessa doesn't really or at least at the time <laughs> didn't really have a life outside of being Kobe Bryant's she's still wife. She's not a life being out of the life. Yeah, we don't want to say that. We don't want to put women down for that. Hey, if you want to be a fucking mom and a wife. Yeah power to you and like that's an amazing role to play if you play it well like i'm fucking all for it right you know? that's the choice that you made yeah and that's a feminist choice in, in and of itself of course but i think that because, at the same time a lot of you is always going to be defined by your husband yes because of that choice and because of that's the choice that she made then she had to stand by him yeah absolutely. because if not then what you're a fucking failure right? and guess what may what kobe bryant famously purchased a four million dollar eight carat purple diamond ooh, ring for ooh. Vanessa three days after he was notified that he would be charged with rape. Dude, we saw a woman today driving yeah. by, like just like admiring her, her own, own diamond. diamond ring. That was nice. I was all for it. And she was in a Honda Civic. So. Honda Accord. Okay, she was in a Honda Accord. So you know that shit was like about to be repossessed or something. The ring. <laughs> That's when she was taking one last long look at her ring. When we first recorded this episode, you said, see, I appreciate Kobe because no matter what, he's all about purple and yellow, baby. He even got Vanessa a purple ring. Yeah, that's true. He bleeds purple and gold, yo. Like <laughs> he had to get the purple diamond. How much did you say how much it cost? Uh, Four million dollars. Four million dollars. Yeah. Is it worth the embarrassment? A four million dollar piece of rock on your hand uh maybe to me it's not that'll set you up for life in like victorville <laughs> from million bucks yeah yeah for sure i mean like i would rather go to like mexico somewhere oh yeah you know? like rosarito yeah and you yeah, might yeah. get killed or kidnapped that's true 
Uh, four, uh, four million gets you the land and protection. Mm. Those motherfuckers are gonna turn on you though. Your protection, your security guard, your own security guard is gonna kill yeah, you one day. True. <laughs> like, ¿Te acuerdas, puta? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then let's get to the hearings. <laughs> the accuser had bruises on her neck. Mm-hmm. Kobe asserted that he strangled her from the back, but that it was his thing and that he had a pattern of doing so with other sexual partners. His yeah. team made it a point to show that this was not his pattern with his wife. His defense team? Yeah. Like they showed how it was a pattern with Kobe, but everyone but his wife. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't know what that means. I think they're trying to say like, of course he would treat some hoe like, like this. this. Not just his wife. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, Co- Which is fucking bullshit. bullshit. Do- yeah. Nobody thinks that I'm like, oh, you know. Yeah. Of course that's why, but no. <laughs> So Kobe stated that he assumed consent due to her body language of kissing him, touching his genitals, and bending over for him, but stated that he never explicitly asked for consent. He indicated that he believed the accuser was capable of saying no because when he asked if he could come on her face, she said no. Okay. So Kobe agreed to a rape test and a lie detector test. His defense team attacked the credibility of his accuser very early on, and she did have some uh, credibility issues. So the day after the alleged incident, the accuser submitted herself to a rape exam wearing underwear that contained another man's semen and pubic hair. Girl. <laughs> Come on. Please wash your underwear. Once again, you go to work. send it out to laundry. What's it? What's with you motherfuckers are not doing your laundry? <laughs> Kobe's defense team asserted that her alleged injuries could have then been from another man. And they also alleged or they also tried to show that this showed consensual sex with another person immediately after or before the encounter with Kobe. So what? Exactly. So she likes casual sex. Who gives a fuck? That don't mean she wants to be raped. And she was 19 or something. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. The accuser alleged that she accidentally grabbed dirty underwear when she left for the rape exam. Once again, I don't know, girl. Yeah. Grabbing dirty underwear. You nasty. <laughs> Her rape exam. You can get an infection, girl. Drink some cranberry <laughs> juice. That's just disgusting. Drink some cranberry <laughs> juice. <laughs> Dr. Butt. <laughs> Drink some cranberry juice. Stay away from Kobe Bryant. Yeah. <laughs> get the fuck out of Colorado. Yeah. Her rape exam did find vaginal trauma which Kobe's defense team asserted would be consistent with having sex with multiple partners over the span of a few days. So it's a little issue there for her, Mm -hmm. right? Kobe's t-shirt had three small blood stains from the accuser on it. The defense team asserted that leaning the woman over a chair to have sex with her caused the bleeding. Yeah, I don't know. The accuser allegedly told Kobe to stop, but he would not. And Kobe said that he stopped after he asked if he could ejaculate on her face. And she said no. Okay. Kobe. So my thing is, though, he he started. Right. And then the only time he thought to stop is when he he has her bent over a chair. Right. So he's like, can we, sw- can I, can I come in your face? Uh-huh. And she said no. And she said no. And then now he's now like, Now he oh. has an issue with it. Okay. So the hotel, the hotel's night auditor said that they saw the accuser leaves Co- leave Kobe's room to go home. And she did not look as though any problems had occurred. But a bellman said that he saw her leave and she appeared upset and she also confided in him that Kobe had forced sex with her. So all of this information started coming out during the initial hearings. Yeah. Uh, The accuser started being blasted all over the internet and was apparently receiving death threats. But we have a contemporaneous witness. Right. The bell, the bell man. Right. But he was also her friend. Oh, right. He was like her close friend at work. But that's already two people. Uh-huh. You know, that's her, her word. She definitely had sex with Kobe. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. no one's saying that uh-huh. didn't happen, even Kobe himself. But she's saying that it was forceful. Right. Okay. I don't know the timeline of the death threats because I believe at this stage her name was still being kept anonymous. But obviously she's getting a lot of hate from people because Kobe Bryant it was a hero at the time. And he was a famous basketball mm-hmm. player. 
So all of his fans are going to likely remain loyal and on his side throughout the whole things. And they really honed in on her, which was like the thing with Aziz Ansari and James Franco. Yeah. I was going to say and Chris Brown. Yes. What's with Chris Brown fans? Yeah. I don't get that at all. I don't. I, I also don't get it because his music is not that amazing. No, you know? he's but whatever. <laughs> There's a million Chris Browns out there. Yeah. You want a Chris Brown that doesn't like fuck up women? Listen Mario. to Miguel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I read this article about Aziz Ansari after it came out that talked about how the public doesn't want to believe that men we look up to or adore are capable of shit like this. We want it to be someone we don't care about or a villain type person. So we want to be on yeah. the side of the accused rather than the accuser in a situation where it's someone that we adore because Kobe was a hero. Uh, we were we were just talking about that with Jeffrey Tambor. Yes. I just I didn't I didn't want to believe I don't want to believe that that's true because he's just such a likable guy. Yeah. But good people do bad things all the time, you know? Yeah. That's a problem. Um a few weeks before trial, the accuser ended up redacting some of her original interview, stating that she didn't have car trouble the next day. She just overslept. So in her initial interview, she said that she was late to uh, go to the hospital because she had car trouble. Mm -hmm. And then she took that back and said, no, no, no. Actually, I just overstepped. Overslept. Overslept. Yeah, which was weird. And then she had also said that after the sex, Kobe forced her to wash her face, mm -hmm. which I think was uh, partially to do with her trying to claim that he was kind of like false imprisoning her in the room. Okay. Keeping her there against her will. I think that she must have been crying. Yeah. So then she ended up saying, no, he, he didn't forced me to wash my face so she took that back also okay that was a weird thing also right so this all kind of you know his defense team ended up attacking her credibility mm -hmm. back and forth because she was flip-flopping in regards to her statement and then all the other issues they found with her well do you remember with monica lewinsky they they would they asked her why would you provide this level of detail and she would she said that it's because when they offered her immunity that she thought anything that might be maybe construed as a lie. Right. She just wanted to make sure it was 100% the truth, like whatever she was saying, so that... She would stay out of jail. Yeah. Of course. So I think maybe if, like, the police are like, if you fucking lie to us... Yeah, we're going to fuck you up We're going to fuck you yeah, up. So then you're you probably over. like, okay, let me just make Go sure... Go back and make sure this shit's all true. Yeah. Of course. So then the last thing that Kobe's defense team did was attack her credibility because they found out that she was taking antipsychotic medications at the time of the incident. So she had schizophrenia or was getting treatment for it. Mm -hmm. And four months prior to the incident with Kobe, she had been removed from her dorm room and hospitalized for being a, quote, danger to herself. Yeah. They had testimony from a prior roommate, uh, which indicated that she had tried to kill herself twice previously. And then they also kept bringing up this thing that she had tried out for American Idol but failed just right before the incident. So they kind of tried to paint this picture of a troubled girl who wanted the limelight. Yeah. So someone that would kind of like formulate this kind of a story to just to get some sort of press. But is this the type of press, even if you do want the limelight, even if you do want to be famous, this is not the type of press that you want. Exactly. Or that she has shown to to seek out because she doesn't you don't see her she doesn't have a fucking talk show yeah she you know? fucking hid after this yeah shit. so finally right before trial the judge dismissed the charges because the accuser advised everybody that she would not testify so they couldn't corroborate any of her story afterwards kobe issued an apology to the accuser oh my gosh and uh i'll paraphrase it so kobe said <clears throat> First, I want to apologize directly to the young woman involved in this incident for my behavior that night and for the consequences that she has suffered in the past year. Although this year has been incredibly difficult for me personally, I can only imagine the pain she has had to endure. I also want to make it clear that I do not question the motives of this young woman. No money has been paid to her. She has agreed that this statement will not be used against me in the civil case. Although I truly believed this encounter between us was consensual, I recognize now that she did not and does not view this incident the same way I did. So he raped her. That's a wrap. So he raped her then. Yeah. Yes. 
That's it. He he, he just he acknowledges that the the consent was not there. Yes. Now, okay, now I was sort of thinking what if let's give Kobe the benefit of the doubt because she she did have she was quote unquote unstable. Mm-hmm. What if it started out consensual and then like halfway through she was like no, I don't I don't want to be a part of this. Then stop. And maybe like express that. I think that that seems like that's probably what happened. Of course. You know? But uh, the culture behind sex and like men during sex allows for like a these kinds of things to happen. Like a woman to say no, maybe like change her mind and yeah. they don't think it's true or like mm-hmm. they don't take it seriously or they just they don't think, fucking listen they because think they think she's playing hard to get. Exactly. Or they think they have a right to whatever yeah. sex or whatever. So they just don't stop. And you, the, the point is you cannot do that. Right. You have to listen to what people are fucking saying to you. Yeah. Okay. So then they had a civil claim going on too. So sh- this was settled out of court and the settlement was undisclosed to the public. The hotel later remodeled that area of the hotel and there was some tea about them uh, allegedly selling off the furniture from room 35 where everything took place. That's disgusting. Isn't Who bought that? Yeah. They, obviously, they deny it. A Laker fan. <laughs> <laughs> Shaq. Shaq bought all the oh, yeah. <laughs> furniture Remember from I that room. Remember I told you that Kobe kind of tried to throw Shaq under the bus, which I thought was gross. Yeah, that is weird. He said when he when he was being interrogated by the police, he, he said something along the lines of this. He said, man, I should have just paid her off like Shaq always does. Yeah. Which is some like, why are you bringing in your Trashy colleague? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> no. OK, so then Kobe Bryant's career, as we all know, has gone along incredibly successfully. His 2004 through 2005 season was damaged by his reputation at the time. He did still rank as second leading scorer in the NBA with an average of 27.6 points per game. But that year was the first time the Lakers had missed the playoffs in over a decade. The 2005 through 6 NBA season saw a comeback starting with Phil Jackson's return to coach the Lakers. Ooh, ooh, I love Phil Jackson. Me too. They made it back in the playoffs in a game on December 20th, 2005. Kobe outscored the entire team of the Mavericks. In 2006, Kobe scored 81 points in a game against the Raptors, breaking the record as second highest point total in NBA history. Will Chamberlain has 100 point game in 1962. Will Chamberlain claimed to have slept with 10,000 women or 20,000 women. That's disgusting. Will Chamberlain's dick's going to fall off. (laughs) Um, around this time, Kobe changed his number from 8 to 24, which helped shed some of the bad light from this event. Mm-hmm. By 2007, he was seen as being back at the top of his game. He signed a seven-year, $136 million contract after the allegations and regained his endorsements from Nike, Spalding, Coca-Cola, etc. He was named the NBA's MVP in 2008 and retired two jersey numbers, 8 and 24, after his retirement with the Lakers in 2016. And he is the first and only NBA player to ever have two numbers retired by a team. What if this would have happened now? Would yeah. Kobe's career have been over? No, right? I think there's this sort of like people, men, regular schmegular men your boyfriend your husband whatever they look at athletes like gods yeah you know a lot of men do that and i think they put them on this pedestal and they will defend them to the death like they will put their own names on the line to fucking defend kobe bryant for fucking what yeah kobe don't give a fuck about you yeah and i think that unlike an actor where they're like oh whatever yeah whatever i think there's something weird about athletes that men Kind of will idolize them like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I really don't know. It's sad. Maybe that girl, though, wouldn't have been so dragged or maybe she wouldn't have felt as alone. Maybe she would have had a little bit more of a pedestal to say her story and not just like back out of everything, you know? Yeah. Um, Because of the environment we're in now with women's rights and stuff. Mm hmm. But yeah, Kobe would have still been Kobe nonetheless. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. And then, okay, and this year in 2018, he goes on to win an Oscar. A fucking Oscar. And people talk about that all the time because it's like Hollywood is really going through a change where we see women speaking out about 
their rights and all the sexual harassment things that's come out with Harvey Weinstein and all these other problematic ass actors and shit. Kevin Spacey and mm-hmm. everybody. And it's like Hollywood is supposed to be like kind of like the forefront of this fight that we're having and leading the charge. Right. And instead they're like, you know, yeah. got fucking Michael Douglas's dad up on stage right. at the Oscars. Kobe Bryant winning a fucking Oscar. It, like and this was ground zero this is the year of me too yeah this isn't even like you know people have a short-term memory which is whatever but this didn't happen two years from now you know yeah (laughs) this was like at at the four the year where everyone was wearing Wearing black you know it's it's fucked up it's so fucked up and i we didn't talk about it this time but we're both laker fans yeah and we grew up loving kobe yeah I love Kobe. My brother loves Kobe. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. You, It's the thing we said. Like, you don't want to believe it from somebody that you like, you know? Yeah. But it's, it happens. And-, and I feel like it's also hard for these women who uh, work with some of these guys to some of these actors that have been called out or yeah. or journalists or whatever. They're like, well, it, he was always respectful with me. But like, yeah, you know, he he knew not to take advantage of you of course yeah you weren't the vulnerable one right but he did end up paying her a settlement of some sort right yeah and she like just you know moved on moved away and yeah whatever so that's the story of kobe bryant i i wish he would sort of just go away now he should go away he's done like i mean he'll probably go on like espn or something right yeah be a fucking he's not funny though he seems whack yeah he's too serious yeah like Shaq is good up there because that feels funny and yeah he pokes fun at himself and he's quick and Mm -hmm. yeah kobe's just you know Shaq has a phd in what dr Shaq in like criminology dr Shaq. (laughs) dr butts is it one of those uh not an honorary honorary? no a real one wow (laughs) i think he did it mostly online though oh (laughs) <laughs> there they are we'll all admit but who dares call them weak our modern girls play as hard and with as much vitality and stamina as any man you're up me okay so this is the story of hollywood's greatest love triangle Ooh, this is one of the first big scandals to hit hollywood and it was also the the biggest is that redundant what i just said angelina brad and <laughs> Jennifer Aniston. See, Carrie just, uh, Carrie Fisher described it as the Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie situation of that time. It is. But I think it's bigger because... There's four? Uh, yes. And also, all four of them... Well, not maybe not Mike Todd, but like the other three were... Gigantic? The biggest stars in the world. They're big as fuck. Jennifer, Brad, and Angelina were big as fuck. I guess it could have been Leo... Leo, yep. mm-hmm. Angelina and Brad, or George. Oh, what if it was a uh, George Clooney, Brad and Angelina? Yeah, that would have been crazy. Yeah, damn, Angelina. I already like Angelina a lot. You love her. I love her. She's problematic. I think that like if she would have been fucking George Clooney and Brad Pitt, I would have been like, props oh. to her. Oh, I would have put her on the pedestal that men put Cody. If Kobe she Bryant fucked George on. Clooney, I would like her. And I don't like her. Oh, you don't like her at all? Not even a little I bit? I don't like her really, nah. She she seems fake to me in the same way Anne Hathaway does. Oh. Like on a cloud. Like yeah. And that's a recent thing, because I liked her back when she was all with Billy Bob and into like black and like wearing blood and shit. Yeah. She was all weird. <laughs> then Tattoos. she then she got with Brad Pitt and she kinda like got all like uppity. I don't know. United Nations. Yeah. Yeah. United Nations. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, to me this was a much bigger deal and also this was fucking messy this is messy as fuck also it's kind of hard to overstate the level of celebrity that the people involved were at that time but these were some of the most famous people in the world because i feel like in the 1950s there were less famous people yeah (laughs) like today we have movie stars tv stars instagram stars stars, like fucking little tay there's there's someone twitter famous yeah you know Back then, there were like five famous people. One of them was the president of the United States. Right. So anyway, the people involved in the story were huge celebrities. And the story made headlines around the world and new developments related to it were literally constantly in the news for well over a decade. And people still occasionally talk about it 
now, 60 years later, and everybody involved is fucking dead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is the story of Debbie Reynolds, Eddie Fisher, Elizabeth Taylor, and Mike Todd. Debbie Reynolds was born on April 1st, 1932 in El Paso, Texas. Later, her family moved to Burbank in 1948. That's where we were today. Woo! (laughs) When Debbie was 16. And she was discovered when she won the Miss Burbank Beauty Contest. Shout out Miss Burbank. Shout out Nane and Naira. And soon after, she got a contract with Warner Brothers. I feel like that doesn't happen anymore. And that's what pageant moms want to happen. They want their kid to get discovered like at a pageant. You know? Yeah. (laughs) That's never going to happen. Pageant moms are dumb as fuck. (laughs) So Debbie made a bunch of musicals throughout the 1950s and also recorded a bunch of hit records. In 1952, she stars in Singing in the Rain, which is a massive hit and an instant classic. Mm -hmm. So after this, Debbie is a full-on movie star and America's sweetheart, which remember I told you, like, of course, America loved Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, she's cool as fuck. She's cute. She's cute. She's blonde. Like, she's a fucking virgin. Like, you (laughs) you can tell that she's a virgin. Yeah. She's you know petite like of course they love this bitch 1950s america this was like their ideal hell yeah <laughs> in 1956 she appeared in the film bundle of joy with her then husband eddie fisher eddie fisher was born on august 10th 1928 in philadelphia pennsylvania Ooh. from an early age he showed that he had a lot of talent as a vocalist after serving in the army during the korean war Eddie returned home and he began to sing in top nightclubs and had a variety television series called Coke Time with Eddie Fisher. I want a variety television series. I want one too. I want it to be called Coke Time with Stephen May. Coke? <laughs> His was called Coke Time? Coke Time with but Eddie like Coca-Cola? Fisher. But like Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola. Okay. <laughs> Lacroix Time with yeah. Stephen May. Or it's going to be called uh, Michelada Time <laughs> with Stephen Max. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be called... 40 ounce rosé with <laughs> Stephen May. And this, okay, so this show ran from 1953 to, ni- to 1957. He was a teen idol and one of the most popular singers of the early 1950s. He had 17 songs in the top 10 on the music charts between 1950 and 1956 and 35 in the top 40. <laughs> Fuck. So at this point, he's a, few, a huge star, kind of like Justin Bieber. He was rumored to have been involved with a bunch of starlets around that time and claimed to have been seduced by Marlena Dietrich Ooh. in a mirrored bathroom. <laughs> Ooh, a mi- Ooh, that was Coke time with Marlena Dietrich <laughs> right there in that mirrored bathroom. <laughs> and was also linked with our girl, Judy Garland. God damn it. <laughs> and Anne Margaret. Ooh. Anne Margaret from uh, Bye Bye Birdie fame. Bye, bye, <laughs> birdie. I don't like Mar- um, Anne Margaret because her whole thing was that she was she looked young, like Ariana Grande. Like she made herself look young, and mm. her her whole thing was like, "Look, I'm a sexy 14 year old." I don't. That don't is like, that. like Ariana Grande. <laughs> That's gross. So he meets and marries Debbie in 1955, and they have a kid, <gasps> Carrie. Yay! Princess Leia. Yes. The couple are best friends with Elizabeth Taylor and her husband, Mike Todd. Dude, that's so fucking tight. Isn't that like... You are fucking living your best life. You're a power couple yeah. and your best friend Our is like... Power, you know, couple, power couple? Like the biggest power couple too? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, they're fucking awesome. Yeah. The couple are... This is what... This is what Kanye, Kim, Chrissy Teigen, and John Legend They wish they, they were. Yeah, they wish. But none of them are problematic. Like, no, <laughs> no. Is it weird that the most racist person in that whole, in all of the, like, the eight people I just mentioned is, is Kanye West? West? Yeah, <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> okay. Elizabeth Taylor was born February 27th, 1932 in London to a privileged family. The family later moved to Beverly Hills as the political situation in Europe was getting heated before World War II. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how fucking like privileged they were that like they were like, "Mm, let's move to Beverly Hills. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People would constantly comment on Elizabeth's beauty and tell her mother that she should be auditioning for film studios. Yeah. She's the most beautiful girl in the world. 
In particular, they would always comment on her eyes due to their unusual violet color and genetic mutation that gave her double eyelashes. Fuck you, Elizabeth Taylor. That's not fair. <laughs> when we first talked about this, you said that Elizabeth Taylor's eyes were a technicolor dream. <laughs> Fucking bitch. <laughs> this bitch. This bitch got technicolor eyes. I wouldn't be friends with her either. I wouldn't <laughs> bring my man around her. I gotta tell you, I would never bring Howell around Elizabeth Taylor and not expect him to fuck her. Not only is she the most beautiful woman in the world, but her she, her, her eyes her are genetic defect, quote unquote. Her genetic mutation is that she has double eyebrows, eyelashes. Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, no, this is crazy. Okay, Elizabeth gets a studio contract at about nine years old in 1941. Her first big hit is in a is a starring role in 1944's National Velvet. She meets Debbie during this time because the two of them, along with all the rest of the studio's young stars, received their education from the studio tutors, and the two become friendly. By the time she was 18, she had been in a string of hits for MGM and was a huge star wow. who was beginning to transition away from being a child star. So at this point, everyone in America kind of feels like they know her because they've seen her grow up on screen like our girl Drew Barrymore. Right. This makes her an even bigger star, so more people and the press are invested in her personal life. So at 18, she marries millionaire hotel heir Conrad Hilton Jr. Hell yeah. He threw diamonds at her, right? I think so. Yes, like that's how he proposed to her. Coming out of a jet, he threw diamonds at her. Are you fucking kidding me? That's some next level shit. That's the life I want to live. Dude, Elizabeth Taylor's just like fucking killing it left and right, yo. Oh, yeah. However, his, quote, gambling, drinking, and abusive behavior horrified her and her parents, and the marriage ended in divorce after eight months, which was a huge scandal at the time. Yeah, that's pretty quick. The next year, she married Michael Wilding, but they divorced in 1957 when she meets producer Mike Todd. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go real deep into Mike Todd because he's not super interesting. Yeah. Except for the fact that he had recently produced Around the World in 80 Days, which won him the Academy Award for Best Picture. Ooh. So he was like a moderately big-time Hollywood player, but just mostly behind the scenes. And Eddie Fisher was his best friend. Mike and Elizabeth had a tempestuous relationship, but the couple exchanged vows on February 2nd, 1957 in Mexico, and the, ceremon and the ceremony was performed by the mayor of Acapulco. It was the third marriage for both the 24-year-old bride and her 47 year old groom mario moreno better known as Cantinflas. <laughs> that's so tight was their witness that's so that, fucking tight is that the best witness in the no. world that's and that's how they knew about acapulco right yeah, yeah yeah that's how they decided to get married down there and everything yeah that's fucking sick yeah eddie fisher was mike's best man and debbie reynolds was elizabeth's matron of honor yep Debbie says she even washed Elizabeth's hair the night before her wedding. You didn't wash my hair the night I before my wedding. I know. That's, That's fucked up. <laughs> Sorry. I also didn't sleep with your husband. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and Cantinflas was not the <laughs> true. <laughs> so I don't know. Wife. Jesus was there. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. Carlos and Jose. Together with <laughs> one Cantinflas right there. <laughs> After the wedding, the couples are inseparable. Uh -huh. They go out to nightclubs a few times a week. They go on lavish vacations together. They're basically having the time of their lives. And the relationship sounds like fucking awesome. And like, you know, all the, the TMZ of the day or whatever, they were like eating that shit up. Fuck yeah, it's amazing. Every night they would like follow them to the club, to the Copacabana or whatever Ooh. the fuck. And like, they'd be like, hell yeah, we love them. Side note, crazy story. <laughs> Three months after Mike and Elizabeth's wedding, the four of them rented a villa in Italy. Oh, I forgot about this. <laughs> but then, by then, Taylor was six months pregnant with daughter Liza, conceived with Todd while she was still married to her second husband, Michael Wilding. Jesus Christ. Describing Taylor's happiness as, quote, contagious, Reynolds was more oh, determined right. to become pregnant again herself. At the time, Debbie and Eddie only had baby Carrie, by now, aware her quote-unquote sperm bank, as she refers to Fisher, got his highs from amphetamines and rarely drank, Debbie plied him with beer and got him inebriated. Quote, sure that I was fertile, I was excited about getting my hands on Eddie, she writes. 
I soon got Eddie excited too, even though he was half asleep. When the deed was done, I used the beautiful headboard on our bed to prop up my legs all night. I stayed that way until I left for the airport the next morning. And nine months later, Carrie had a brother. Tom. Oh, my God. Mission accomplished. So she raped him. Debbie, Debbie Reynolds raped Eddie Fisher. He did meth? That's what she said? He did meth amphetamines? Okay. Yeah, amphetamines. Okay. Like everybody else. Fucking pep pills. Everybody. Yeah. 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 So she date raped him. Wow. I love how she had like the the little bit about the headboard being beautiful. It was. I mean, she stood there all night, so she had to really look at it, you know. Shortly after Todd Fisher's birth on March 22nd, 1958, Mike Todd's private plane, the Liz, crashed near Grants, New Mexico. That's so sad. That's so sad, right? She talks about um, how she thinks that he was the love of her life, him and Burton. Yeah. I... But it's easy to, like, say that about somebody who's gone. Yeah, you romanticize what could have been. Exactly. But they said they had a tempestuous relationship. She seems like she had that with everybody. With everyone. She just seems difficult. Yeah. How can you be that beautiful and not, like, just look at every man that passes you by, like, oh, I want that. Yeah. I want that. Yeah. Technicolor eyes and shit. (laughs) Fuck you, Elizabeth Taylor. The plane suffered engine failure while being flown overloaded in icing conditions at an altitude that was too high for only one engine working under the heavy load, the plane went out of control and crashed, killing all four on board. Wow. R.I.P. Mike That's Todd. That's awful. I feel like it was bad luck that it was named the Liz. Yeah. I heard something like that recently, that it was bad luck to rename a vessel, whether it's a ship or a plane. Really? Yeah. And I'm sure it wasn't called the Liz when, you know, when I saw that they it. said that that Malaysian flight was like the pilot did it on purpose. Oh. <gasps> Really? Yeah, that like they could find the source of his detour and it looked like he it was intentional. He wanted to kill himself Whoa. and like took down the whole plane. Whoa. That's fucking crazy, huh? That would be an interesting like when they get more information about it, that would be an interesting topic. topic yeah. yeah. It was so horrible. Did we talk about how that guy wanted us to talk about the the Volkswagen diesel yeah, that was so scandal? Stupid, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's the wackest scandal ever. That was the liquor store guy, right? The liquor store guy was like, what's your podcast about? And we're like scandals. And he was like, you guys want to talk? Are you guys going to talk about that Volkswagen diesel scandal? No, motherfucker. We ain't (laughs) going to talk about a Volkswagen. We're going to talk about fucking Technicolor Eyes Elizabeth Taylor. You dumb motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Unless someone cheated on their husband in a Volkswagen. Yeah. Unless Elizabeth Taylor was fucking Eddie Fisher in that Volkswagen. We don't want to talk about it. But what are the MPGs of that diesel? Okay. <laughs> so, RIP Mike Todd. RIP. Elizabeth was understandably hysterical. Yeah. And Debbie offered to look after her three children, the new baby and her two sons by Michael Wilding at That's her crazy. own home. Debbie's a good ass friend. That's dude. crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, I will never take care of your kids. <laughs> even if my husband died in the Liz? No, I'll take care of <laughs> I wouldn't have the Liz three kids. I wouldn't have three kids, (laughs) but you want to take care of my dogs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So how do we feel about that? Any thoughts? About what? Like, do you think that, is it a bad look to be like, I'll take all your kids and like, you just go chill? I think that back in the day, people used to do shit like that because it was just kind of like expected of you to have kids. So, like, they were often seen as an inconvenience. Yes. Where, like, now, if you have kids, it's like you really wanted kids. Right. Right? So, I feel like back in the day, it was more, like, acceptable to be like that with your kids. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, I think that that's a really... I don't know if this is... If everyone will feel that way, but I think that I personally would want to be alone. Just, like, I want to be able to cry. And I yeah, because you don't want to do that in front of your kids. kids. Yeah. So I think it was very thoughtful of Debbie to be like, I'll take uh, them. You yeah. Do I'll your take thing. Them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Debbie apparently raised no objection when Eddie moved in with the grieving widow, Mm-mm. supposedly to keep her Mm-mm. eye on her for a few days. Mm-mm. Now that's some. That's now you dumb shit. as fuck. Now you dumb as fuck, Debbie. <laughs> You're really going to let White Diamond's ass Elizabeth Taylor sleep in the same house as your husband when no kids around? Yeah. No, you're fucking stupid. What did you think was going to happen? He went with my blessing, writes Debbie. The four of us were so close, I was sure he would comfort her. 
National Treasure. With his dick. <laughs> That's what National Treasure Carrie Fisher says in her one woman show, <laughs> Wishful Drinking. She says that he comforted her with his dick. <laughs> she says something like, uh, he, he said, she said, my mom thought that he would go stand by her side, but he really standed by her side, front, back, <laughs> <laughs> bottom, top, <laughs> mouth, technicolor eyes. <laughs> Two weeks after Mike's death, uh -huh. Elizabeth went on a trip to New York and Eddie followed her. Uh -huh. When Debbie, back in Beverly Hills with all five kids, her two, Liz's three, fuck, tried to call his room. There was no reply. So she calls her homegirl Elizabeth's room. Uh-huh. Quote, Eddie took the call and I heard Elizabeth saying. <laughs> New phone, who this? <laughs> <laughs> I heard Elizabeth saying, who is it, darling? Fuck you, Elizabeth. D yeah, that's some fucking shit. Okay. Following the, their divorce in 1959, Eddie came off very poorly in the of press. Of course. The unfavorable publicity saw his TV series canceled and he was later dropped by his record label. So everybody was like, fuck you. I feel like I'm surprised Elizabeth's reputation came wasn't off. so like, Here's a she had though. a lot of bad looks. But people were, people were like, oh, she's grieving. He took advantage of her yeah. or whatever. Like she, she was always right able to play damsel in distress yeah. or some shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever. So, infamous gossip columnist Hedda Hopper interviewed Elizabeth at the time, and she wasn't apologetic about what happened. See, I kind of feel for her until this. Yeah. She says, quote, you can't break up a happy marriage. No, fuck you. No, that's, I don't feel for her at all. That's like, not only did you do it, because you have a part in it. But now you're kind of blaming your homegirl, who has your kids. Yeah. For it. Like, it's yeah. your fault, bitch. Right. Yeah, what the fuck? <sighs> okay. I'm not taking any way away, away from Debbie Reynolds because she never really had it. Ooh. Why? Why? No. You had a bad look. Yeah. If you really love this dude or whatever, yeah. just go live your life Yeah, quietly. what do you need to drag Debbie for? Yeah. When Hopper asked Taylor what her recently deceased husband would have to say about the drama, she said, quote, Mike is dead and I'm alive. What do you expect me to do? Sleep alone? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Sleep alone for a little bit. With your diamonds and your fucking fur coats and, and shit. champagne and yeah. your I'll butlers. Be, I will happily sleep alone with diamond, champagne things. and butlers. Me too. Yeah, I'll what kind of dogs butlers. do they like in the 50s? You'll sleep with your butlers? I would only hire like a fine ass butler. Me too. Remember, we were briefly obsessed with Downton Abbey, like yeah, it it, was about circa 2010. I like Downton Abbey seasons one through four. I think it's one through three that we like. When they killed Michael, yeah, I stopped watching. That's third. That's the third. Okay, I never seen it past then, but I heard it's still good. It's okay. I get pissed when TV shows <laughs> kill off a character that I'm invested in. I'm actually reading this book right now, The Remains of the Day, that is a lot like Downton Abbey. You don't read. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Eddie's career never really recovered and his subsequent marriage to Elizabeth, which lasted less than five years, was soon disrupted by her affair with her future husband, <laughs> Richard Burton. Quote, unquote, the love of her life, right? Yeah, quote, unquote, <laughs> fuck you, Eddie. <laughs> A few years later, Debbie found herself sailing for Europe on the same cruise ship as, Eliz as Elizabeth and Richard Burton. Quote, I invited Elizabeth and Richard to our suite for cocktails and I don't think we ever mentioned Eddie Fisher more than in passing, she said. Hell yeah. We drank champagne and had a lovely time. On our yacht on the way to Europe. Yeah. And fuck you, Eddie. Fuck him. Yeah. I mean. Fuck a guy I'm named fuck. Eddie, too. That's a weird name. Eddie or Joey? What's Both worse? Both bad. Joey's worse. Joey's worse, definitely. Because at least Eddie is short for Edward. What's Joey? Right. Joseph. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> Joey's short for a baby kangaroo. Yeah. Uh, in 2001, they appeared in the TV movie These Old Broads, written and directed by Carrie Fisher. Yay! Quote, Elizabeth was in very poor health and her doctors didn't want her to do the role, but she agreed to do the movie for Carrie, says Reynolds. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I. that's so big of, especially Debbie, but both of them to just be like, you know what? Let's put this behind us. Yeah, I mean, you're, time has nobody, passed too. Ain't nobody wanted Debbie or Eddie, Eddie <laughs> yeah, at that Eddie, point yeah. anyway, you know? yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry for what I did to you with Eddie, she said one day. I just feel so awful when I think of how I hurt you and your children. 
That was another lifetime, Debbie assured her. You and I made up years ago. That's awesome. But Taylor continued to make atonement in the way that only a movie legend who has been married eight times is able to do so. Yeah. These next little stories are wild to me because Elizabeth is just constantly flexing on Debbie. (laughs) In 2001, Taylor got Reynolds a ticket to see her friend Michael Jackson performing in concert in New York to celebrate his 30 years in show business. Uh Uh-huh. So, like... (laughs) She was like, oh, do you want to see my friend Michael? You know? (laughs) Oh, oh, Michael Jackson. Yeah, bitch. (laughs) On his 30th anniversary. Oh, it's no big deal. It's just at Madison Square Garden. But I have VIP tickets. (laughs) The following morning, September 11th, never forget, the two women, (laughs) the two women wake up in hotel rooms in different parts of the city to hear the news that the terrorist attacks on the Twin Towers had occurred. By then, Reynolds was divorced from her third husband, Richard Hamlet, whose affairs with various women, including a, quote, toothless waitress from a Waffle House. Oh, fuck. That's, does she have to say that, Debbie? No, this but is, I'm, I think... I'm for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, bewildered her in a way which Eddie Fisher's infidel- infidelity apparently did not. Hmm. Hell, my first husband left me for Elizabeth Taylor, she says. At least that made sense. Yeah. Yeah right like yeah you're not gonna you don't feel any less about yourself because you're like well my husband left me for literally the most beautiful woman in the world i think you do feel like shit because you're not that woman but still it's different if your husband leaves you from some toothless bitch from the waffle house then you just don't get it you're yeah. just like what the fuck what's wrong with me yeah you know yeah i think it just it's worse because what's it wrong with me sense. you're not elizabeth taylor yeah <laughs> okay uh, Reynolds had traveled to New York alone, but now felt frightened and vulnerable. So she was relieved when Taylor invited her to come and share her suite until they could both get out of the city. For the next few days, the American airspace closed. The two of them were holed up in there, crying together at the news reports on TV as Taylor's butler took care of them. Hell yeah. So they're just flexing on Leaving her the again. Life, yeah. Fucking Downton Abbey. <laughs> When Reynolds realized... If I have a butler, he's going to be British. Are there non-British butlers? I don't think so. Not in my head. I bet you Mariah Carey's butlers aren't British. They're just shirtless and oiled. They're Australian. Oh, I want an Australian butler. (laughs) (laughs) I want a New Zealand. I want a Kiwi butler. Yeah. When Reynolds realized she would not make it to California for a one-woman show she was due to perform that weekend, Taylor offered to help. She called in a favor from U.S. Senator John Warner, the seventh of her eighth husbands. Hell yeah. And arranged for the two of them to be flown back to L.A. in a private jet. Hell yeah. (laughs) She's like, oh, no no big deal. I'll just call my my ex-husband or my friend John. (laughs) Wasn't her eighth husband like some dude she met in rehab, though? Yeah. Like he was some whatever, like truck driver. Yeah, he was real young. Yeah, all right. As soon as flights resumed, it was uh, perfect timing for Debbie to make it back to her concert. Right. So, she, you know, Elizabeth was like, I know you have a little show or whatever. Just, <laughs> you know, call the senator. Yeah, no big deal. They'll open up the sky jet. for me. And finally, Elizabeth had a jewelry case that was the same shade of violet as her eyes. Jesus of course she did, right? Uh-huh. Inside, there were three sparkling pieces, sapphire earrings, a bracelet, and a matching necklace. Even if they hadn't come from Liz's personal collection, they still would have been worth a fuck ton of money. Yeah. And she was specific about who they should go to following her death in March 2011. Yes. While her relatives might have hoped that they would come their way, they were destined to go outside of the family, on the face of it, to the most unexpected recipients. By then, 79, the same age as Taylor when she died, her fellow Hollywood legend, Debbie Reynolds, learned that it was she who would inherit the gems. That's crazy. A flex from beyond the fucking grave. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Fuck. Elizabeth. Hey, if you ever want to flex on me and give me a fucking sapphire sapphires? set, go ahead and do it, man. You fuck with sapphires? Yeah, why not? Yeah, that's true. The fuck? I'm not going to say no. From beyond the grave, though? Hell yeah. No, I feel like you'd be like, fuck you, man. Yeah, like, but I'll you- take it. <laughs> <laughs> So Elizabeth Petty Taylor spared no expense <laughs> to flex on Debbie Reynolds across time and space like the goddamn petty queen that she was. Hell yeah. R.I.P. baby. R.I.P. to everybody except in for Eddie show. Fisher. Eddie Fisher's still alive? He might no, as well be dead. No, I'm saying like, I don't oh, rest in peace to him. Oh. 
<laughs> I mean, don't rest, motherfucker. Don't, don't rest. <laughs> Open he's, your eyes. He's getting bitches. He's fucking Marlena Dietrich in the in a bathroom in heaven. <laughs> in a mirrored bathroom. Yeah, fuck that fool. Mike Todd though, R.I.P. Yeah, poor guy. R.I.P. Cantinflas. R.I.P. Oh, Lenny's saying R.I.P. to everyone. Oh, May. Lenny, we're almost done. Hurry up we're and do the quickie. the quickie. Okay, what's, what's the quickie? The quickie? <laughs> and any way you look at it, women's work is not for sissies. Most men would have a hard time of it if they were to change jobs with wife, mother, or girlfriend. Here's some super small tea. I mean, it's not small. It's a big-ass deal. But Candy Burris, for those who do not know, is on Real Housewives of Atlanta. But she first gained... Is she black? Yes. Oh. Uh, Would I know her if I saw her? Like a picture of her? Maybe because she first gained fame by being in Escape. As in, I get so weak in the knees. What? That's crazy, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Is that Escape or are you doing SWV? Oh, you're right. You're right. Escape is just kick it. Yeah. Yeah. Just kick it. She's also a songwriter. She wrote No Scrubs for TLC. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she had a... And Bugaboo, right? Yep. And she had a very small solo career, which has a song that I love, um, which is... um, When you're out in the club, don't think I'm not, baby. Oh, yeah, When you're out looking good, don't think I'm not. Is her... What is her stage name? Candy. Candy? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Um, So she's tight, and she's part of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Okay, cool. Uh, She's had, like, a few boyfriends which were problematic but one of her main boyfriends while on the show she was engaged to him and i want to say he was probably like a producer or something like Mm -hmm. that i don't remember but he got in a fight outside of a nightclub and he got punched in the head whoa yes in 2009 uh he sustained head injuries he was hospitalized and then he died (gasps) While they were engaged. Did the person who killed him, like, go to jail? I have no idea. But isn't that fucking crazy? Oh, yeah, they were charged with manslaughter. I mean, see, that's why you can't be getting into fights, like, a freak accident or whatever. Stuff happened, like, all the time. So it was an altercation in the parking lot, and he received a severe blow to the head. you know it was over some stupid shit, like, you stepped on my shoes or whatever. Yeah, and you just fucking, like, you gave me a bad look or whatever. Yeah. Fuck. The other guy was also hospitalized, but then was charged with voluntary manslaughter and went to jail. Voluntary? And this happened while she was on the show? Yeah. Is she still on the show? Yes. And when that happened, it was like the season had just finished filming. And then they came back for the reunion and uh, Andy Cohen like asked, talked to her about it. And she's like crying in the reunion yeah. special. It's like fucking horrible. She was there when it happened? I don't know if she was there, uh-huh. but... I mean, they were engaged. She was planning their wedding, like, on that Fuck. season of the show. Fucking crazy, right? Yeah. And he was super young, like, in his 30s. Fuck, dude. Yep, that's some 2009 tea for y'all. That's a quickie. <laughs> wow. I know, okay. that sucks, huh? What, do you know what her, what her catchphrase is, her tagline is? Ooh, her no. But that's tight. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. Is it, uh, oh, I was about to say something real fucked up. <laughs> I don't know. Do they change over time or do they always have the same tagline? No, the tagline changes and the girls change all the time. Oh, yeah? Yeah, all the time. Real Housewives of Orange County is not. It's changed so many times. I I know that some people aren't on it anymore, but I always thought like, you know. No. It's the same core group or whatever. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. They change all the fucking time. Real Housewives of Orange County only has one girl that's been there like forever. Who was the one that we saw at dinner at that time? That was in Real House. She was one of the original ones. Yeah. Of Real Housewives of Orange County. She used to be a playmate and she, um, her husband was like abusive towards <gasps> her. No. Uh-huh. And her son, her son was a baseball player. Like MLB? Like a professional baseball player and he was like an alcoholic, had all these problems Ooh. and stuff. Fucking crazy, dude. What's her name? Gianna Cuff. Huh? Gina Cuff. Gina Tomasino. <laughs> it was Playmate of the Month in 1980. Ooh. 
Who said weaker sex? Ironing is another kind of work that's a lot of little jobs all rolled into one. Just iron one of hubby's shirts, for instance. The iron may have to be lifted 20 or 30 times. And since a flat iron weighs about as much as a brick, a day's ironing actually uses just about as much muscle as bricklaying. Oh, uh, just one more quickie. I guess we're going to have two quickies. Okay. I wanted to talk about how I recently saw Bobby Cannavale walking down the street. Bobby, Bobby Cannavale, who I usually think is a fucking snack. Yeah. Was looking not... Snackity? Not snackity at all. He was like looking low-key, like his skin looked pale and almost gray. How do you was recognize chubs. him, I wonder? Because I was sitting in traffic and he was walking, he was walking his baby in the stroller. Yeah. Like for, and he was walking towards me. And since I was sitting in traffic, I got like a really good look at him. Yeah. And I was like, is that him? No, it can't be. Yes, it is. That's pretty unfortunate. Yeah. And. But he a dad and he's taking time off, you know. What's his wife's name? I don't know. <laughs> she, the chick from Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. I don't know her name though. Rose. She's also, Burn. Rose Burn. Bjorn. Oh, it's with a Y though, right? Burn. Yeah, Bjorn. Burn. Burn. <laughs> yeah. Burn. <laughs> He's Bobby Cannavale. I've loved him since he played the Samantha's boyfriend with the funky spunk <laughs> in Sex in the City. And then he was Will's husband on Will and Grace. Yes. I like, oh, I love him. But he was just not looking cute when That's I saw nice. him. It's not his fault. He's a new dad. Yeah. The baby's real fucking small. Yeah, he's taking time off. Yeah. We look forward to your comeback, Bobby Cannavale. Lose a couple, lose a couple pounds, maybe like get a tan, get a nanny, dye your hair, <laughs> keep it popping. All right, guys, we're the Drama Club. Catch us on social media at Drama Club Pod on Insta and Twitter, and watch our YouTube live with Felipe Esparza and Rodrigo Torres. What's up, fool? Yeah, on the All Things Comedy Network. Ooh, ooh. All right, bye, guys. Bye. However, whatever with your helmet.